Section 5 of Letters of Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Letters of Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen, by Washington Irving. Letter 5. Sir, as I was sitting quietly by my fireside the other morning, nursing my wounded shin and reading to my cousin Jack Stylish a chapter or two from Chesterfield's letters, I received the following epistle from my friend Andrew Quaz, who, hearing that I talked of paying the actors a visit and shaking my cane over their heads, has written the following letter, part of which is strongly in their defense. To Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen my dear friend i perceive by the late papers you have been entertaining the town with remarks on the theatre as you do not seem from your writings to be much of an adept in the thespian arcana permit me to give you a few hints for your information the theatre you observe begins to answer all the purposes of a coffee-house here you are right it is the polite lounge where the idle and curious resort to pick up the news of the fashionable world to meet their acquaintances and to show themselves off to advantage as to the dull souls who go for the sake of the play why if their attention is interrupted by the conversation of their neighbors they must bear it with patience it is a custom authorized by fashion persons who go for the purpose of chatting with their friends are not to be deprived of their amusement they have paid their dollar and have a right to entertain themselves as well as they can as to those who are annoyed by their talking why they need not listen to it let them mind their own business you are surprised at so many persons using opera glasses and wish to know whether they were all near-sighted your cousin jack stylish has not explained that matter sufficiently for though many mount glasses because it is the go yet i am told that several do it to enable them to distinguish the countenances of their friends across our scantily illuminated theatre i was considerably amused the other evening with an honest tar who had stationed himself in front of the gallery and with an air of affected foppishness was reconnoitring the house through a pocket telescope i could not but like his notion for really the gods are so elevated among the clouds that unless they are unusually strong of vision i can't tell how they manage to discern with the naked eye what is passing in the little painted world below them i think you complain of the deficiency of the music and say that we want a greater variety and more of it but you must know that though this might have been a grievance in old times when people attended to the musicians it is a thing of but little moment at present our orchestra is kept principally for form's sake there is such a continual noise and bustle between the acts that it is difficult to hear a note and if the musicians were to get up a new piece of the finest melody so nicely tuned are the ears of their auditors that i doubt whether nine hearers out of ten would not complain on leaving the house that they had been bored to death with the same old pieces they have heard two or three years back indeed many who go to the theatre carry their own music with them 
and we are so often delighted with the crying of children by way of glee and such coughing and sneezing from various parts of the house by way of chorus not to mention the regale of a sweet symphony from a sweep or two in the gallery and occasionally a full piece in which nasal vocal whistling and thumping powers are admirably exerted and blended that what want we of an orchestra in your remarks on the actors my dear friend let me beg of you to be cautious i would not for the world that you should degenerate into a critic the critics my dear jonathan are the very pests of society they rob the actor of his reputation the public of their amusement they open the eyes of their readers to a full perception of the faults of our performers they reduce our feelings to a state of miserable refinement and destroy entirely all the enjoyments in which our coarser sensations delighted i can remember the time when i could hardly keep my seat through laughing at the wretched buffoonery the merry andrew tricks and the unnatural grimaces played off by one of our theatric jack puddings when i was struck with awful admiration at the roaring and ranting of a buskined hero and hung with rapture on every word while he was tearing a passion to tatters to very rags i remember the time when he who could make the queerest mouth roll his eyes and twist his body with the most hideous distortions was showest to please alas how changed the times or rather how changed the taste i can now sit with the gravest countenance and look without a smile on all such mimicry their skipping their squinting their shrugging their snuffling delight not me and as to their ranting and roaring i'd rather hear a brazen candlestick turned or a dry wheel grate on the axle-tree than any such fustian efforts to attain a shallow gallery applause now though i confess these critics have reformed the manners of the actors as well as the tastes of the audience so that these absurdities are almost banished from the new york stage yet do i think they have employed a most unwarrantable liberty a critic my dear sir has no more right to expose the faults of an actor than he has to detect the deceptions of a juggler or the impositions of a quack all trades must live and as long as the public are satisfied to admire the tricks of the juggler to swallow the drugs of the quack or to applaud the fustian of the actor whoever attempts to undeceive them does but curtail the pleasures of the latter and deprive the former of their bread odds bud hath not an actor eyes and shall he not wink hath not an actor teeth and shall he not grin feet and shall he not stamp lungs and shall he not roar breast and shall he not slap it hair and shall he not club it is he not fed with plaudits from the gods delighted with thumpings from the groundlings annoyed by hisses from the boxes you censure his follies does he not complain if you take away his bread will he not starve if you starve him will he not die and if you kill him will not his wife and seven small infants six at her back and one at her breast rise up and cry vengeance against you ponder these things seriously my friend old style and you will agree with me that as the actor is the most meritorious and faultless so is the critic the most cruel and sanguinary character in the world 
as I will show you more fully in my next. Your loving friend, Andrew Qualls. From the tenor and conclusion of these remarks of my friend Mr. Andrew Quaz, they may not improperly be called the rights of actors. His arguments are, I confess, very forcible, but as they are entirely new to me, I shall not hastily make up my mind. In the meantime, as my leg is much better, I believe I shall hobble to the theatre on Monday evening, borrow a seat in a side-box, and observe how the actors conduct themselves. Jonathan Oldstyle End of Letter 5 Recording by James K. White Chula Vista